It's a story time Wednesday here on Locked On Brewers. The one, the only, Ed Cedar is joining us. Don't go anywhere. Locked On Brewers is on the way. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning or afternoon, whenever you may be listening. I'm Dominic Catronio. Vinny Rettino will be joining us in just a moment. This is Locked On Brewers. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Ed Cedar joining us up next. 30 years in the show, all with the uh, Brewers organization in a variety of roles, including minor league field coordinator, minor league manager, and of course, first and third base coach at the big league level with the Brewers. Stories for days with this guy. So much fun for Vinny to walk down memory lane with him, of course. And uh, we talk about the mechanics of being the third base coach. It is a stressful job and not a position that is definitely one that grows on trees by any means. It's a hard, hard job and doing the homework is probably the most important thing about it. We we talk about a variety of subjects here. So much fun to chat with Ed and uh, he is very happy about retirement down in Florida. Uh, it's uh, someone that's really well deserved to have retirement on, on his hands and on his plate. So uh, we wish them, him and Marsha all the best and uh, you'll hear that come out here in the interview in just a little bit as well. Quick note on the schedule for the rest of the week. I'm currently still in Phoenix. Uh, We're going to have some minor league content coming up for the next couple of weeks while I'm still down here covering minor league camp. Uh, Really excited about things to come uh, here down at American Family Fields of Phoenix and uh, be on the lookout for some of that stuff. But we will have a show tomorrow previewing the actual big league roster, seeing what happens uh, whenever we do get to play baseball again. Uh, what the current roster is going to be filled out with. And then Garrett Green will be joining us for Friday's episode as we start looking more specifically at the minor league side of things. So Garrett, of course, is the double-A voice of the Biloxi Shuckers for your Brewers. So that's coming up for the rest of the week. I won't sit here and delay any longer. Without further ado, the one and only Ed Cedar. Eddie Cedar, my favorite coach of all time, (laughs) the most influential coach in my baseball career. I know a lot of players feel the same way. But everyone knows Eddie as the as the Brewers' third base coach, serving in that role for 14 seasons for the Brewers. But what most don't realize is that from 92, yeah, 1992 to 2006, you were the, you were in the minor leagues for the Brewers as well. Um, such a great career in the game, obviously. You recently retired. Give us kind of the snapshot, the story, the recap of your entire career. I, I, I actually don't know the full story, so let's hear it. No, you kind of, uh, thank you for all that, uh, Vinny. Um, yep, 92, I started as the outfield and base running coordinator for the minor league systems. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Then I would manage the rookie ball team after the draft a couple, you know, for a while. And then I think when Greg Riddock took over, he thought that was too much. So then he would have me field coordinate outfield and base running coordinator. And then every other year I'd manage the the rookie ball team just to give me a break from year to year. That's great. And as a fellow pioneer leaguer, I I understand the grind you went through up there in Helena and in Ogden of of the bus rides, but what made you love rookie ball coaching so much? What, What was it like coaching the guys straight out of the draft? Uh, I really liked it. Um, it was, uh, it was great being the first guy, you know, the first manager that they have and stuff like that Uh, became more, more of a thing when I was the field coordinator too, because that way I could, you know, introduce them to pro ball. Granted, they came probably from major colleges or just from high school or from the Dominican or whatever. So just introducing them and being that uh, encouraging person on and off the field for them and 
hopefully I did a good job with them. You did, and then some, Eddie. I got to tell you, you really set the tone for all the players coming in from the draft and from you know free agent signings, whatever whatever the case. And you really set the tone. You were a leader among leaders. I mean, I'm telling you, I know Eddie kind of knows. Everyone kind of knows Eddie is this fun, loving, lovable kind of guy, and he is, of course. But man, you really commanded the room. Um, I do want to tell a st- oh, my favorite no. story at some point during this interview. Well, but, what are you but... waiting for? You don't tease us like that. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll tell it. So my favorite Eddie Cedar story is probably my favorite story, period, from Pro Ball. Um, and I t- I've told this story a hundred times probably. But Eddie, um, Eddie was our manager in Helena. It was 2003. We're in Provo, Utah. I don't know if you remember Greg Marrera. Do you remember the pitcher named Greg Marrera? Yes, I do. Yes, I yeah. do. <laughs> Greg Marrera really thought kind of very highly of himself, and that's great, right? <laughs> you wanted you wanted your pitchers to be very, very confident. But uh, so he was pitching a great game, and I was playing third base. And Eddie comes out in about the sixth inning, about third time through the order, and Eddie, and Greg was was really struggling. Um, Greg probably thought he was going to get taken out of the game. Eddie comes out. I, and I just wanted to hear what uh, an Eddie Cedar mound meeting sounded like. So Eddie comes out and says, hey, Greg, how you doing? How, how you feeling right now? You think you think you can get through this one for us? And, and Greg, again, feel uh, kind of feeling himself. Yeah, Eddie, I got this. You know, keep me in. Let me, let me do it. And Eddie looks at him straight in the eye and goes, then do it. And turns... <laughs> But he didn't say there was a word in between then and then do, as you can <laughs> imagine what that word was. And he turns and walks off the mound, and that was it. And it was the greatest mound visit I've ever, <laughs> I've ever experienced. But anyway, um, thank you for that story. I've told it to multiple people, and I get people crying in tears of laughter after they hear that. But where did you get your your style, your leadership style from? I, I know it's kind of a natural part of your personality, but it is, um, I don't know who was most influential for you as a coach. Well, you probably, probably got a little bit of that from my dad, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that influence, influence me. And, uh, I don't know, it was, you know, spending so much time, you know, like you said, through the minors and all that, like you guys have stated, uh, have a lot of people that probably made me who I am probably today. So I I couldn't really put a finger on one person or that, but there were a lot of people helping me out throughout the, throughout my career. In the last few years, you know, down the stretch here, before you retired, getting to work with Craig Council, another Wisconsin native, of course, just like yourself, getting, getting to work for the Brewers. What do you see in his qualities as a manager and you getting to work uh, alongside him and with the rest of his staff? Uh, counts was awesome. I mean, um, just bringing uh, probably the biggest thing is bringing everyone together in that, in the locker room where everyone was, you know, going for the one goal and there wasn't any, if there were things going a little bit astray, he would bring them back in. But, uh, he brought the culture of that locker room where everyone was doing it for everyone. It was actually very impressive where you see, you know, other people try and do it and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think anybody does it the way Counts does. With and as far as coaching staff goes, everyone has a say. A say. He'll go around the room. Uh, players have say. So have meetings and players have says on how, exact how we're going to do stuff. And uh, 
he was just above and beyond in that aspect, bringing the culture of what the Brewers are today. Yeah, I mean, and that is that's really cool. And and look, at the end of the day, it seems like the Brewers. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the Brewers are a team that don't add someone either to their coaching staff or to as a player unless they're really doing the homework on them if they are a winning type of player correct me if i'm wrong with that like is that something you guys look for yeah that is that is perfect i'm probably not so much into that as far as when we go out and get players and stuff but almost all the players that you see us get fit in or we know that counts will be able to mold them or we'll be able to mold them to fit into what we're what we're doing here as a, as an organization when they've done you know superb as far as that goes from david on down hey y'all jumping in real quick to tell you about one of our new sponsors and it involves tim tebow are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go mission possible which is written and read by new york times best-selling author and athlete tim tebow encourages you to find your inspiration pursue your purpose and create a life for yourself that counts ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen mission possible by tim tebow is available wherever audiobooks are sold back to eddie now and for for people who don't realize i mean stats and numbers and analytics have obviously come in as a catch-all term for baseball of trying to acquire players but i think what's lost in baseball and a lot of nerds like myself don't realize how important the clubhouse really is. Why do people continue to undervalue how important a cohesive clubhouse is and guys that get along and coaches that want to be there? Why do you think that's so undervalued in today's game? I don't know. Maybe um, people don't look about look at it that much. And you guys stated there's a lot of different things in it, like from the analytical, coming from different organizations, um, not knowing how we do stuff. Um, simple things as spring trainings. Players have told me before that have been with multiple teams going, this is the best spring training that I've been a part of as far as atmosphere goes, as far as getting work done, being able to do your stuff. And uh, I think that's just the pays tribute to what uh, Dave and Counts have been doing for this long. And maybe, uh, maybe other teams should take a look at it. No, seriously. I mean, there must be something in the water or something with the Brewers because you hear, we had Corey Hart. I know you're a really good friend, Corey Hart on the show couple of weeks ago and he said the same thing he's like he went to where'd he go he went to Pittsburgh he went to Seattle for a little bit and and nothing was like playing in Milwaukee um what is it about the city about the organization um what is it I mean is it the fans like I mean well you know yeah the fans I've had numerous third basemen when I'm coaching third are just amazed where I would say two or three of them have come up and go is it always like this here and I'm going this is Milwaukee these are our fans and it is always like this here and like I said I'm not not holding anything back at least two or three and some of them are big name guys going man I never realized this so yeah you got to tip your hat to the fans the city uh the park's awesome the plan and yeah I'm sure all the players that have played for the Brewers uh, realize that when they either come from somewhere else or they leave us and go somewhere else. 
Well, speaking of spring training, I've been bouncing around minor league fields uh, the past week here as minor <laughs> league camp has opened up, which you get to you know you get to sit back and relax now finally, not have to bounce from field to field. Can you take us behind the curtain a little bit of what your role would have been like as a field coordinator? We've had Greeny on a couple of weeks ago That's as well. Awesome, Greeny's uh, awesome. <laughs> so what what's it like these days for somebody in the coaching roles and the coaching ranks as minor league camp has finally opened up? Oh yeah, the um. Being the field coordinator and being able to sit up in that tower, Vinny probably knows they could hear my voice from field <laughs> eight to field two. But anyways, just to make sure everything goes, there's not a lot of standing, make sure that, you know, there's some fun being had. Uh, but uh, hey, tip your hat to Charlie Green. He does a great job. But um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And that's another process we go over. It isn't something that goes here. Let's go out and do this day. It's gone over. We have meet at night, meet in the morning before we head out, meet with the players. And then when you, when people see the spring training out in the field, they're watching everything going on. They're going, wow, this looks to be pretty well scripted. But a lot of, a lot of it has gone behind the scenes. Like you said, Dominic, behind the scenes, a lot of stuff goes on before the end, end product out there on the field in spring training days. Yeah, because you at the end of the day, you were responsible with people and players don't even understand this. Like you as a field coordinator and you were the field coordinator when I played when I first signed and then you passed the torch to Charlie Green. So the, the Brewers minor league players have been in really, really good hands for the last, what, three decades. So um, and what players don't realize is you are responsible for knowing exactly where players need to be at all times for the five, six hours we were out there on the field. I mean, that <laughs> Come is a on, Vinny, I tried to shorten it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big, the, yeah the big thing is the, the timing we have the horn system two short horns meant there were two minutes left before you shifted and the long horn meant you rotated um yeah so uh those were some hectic times but uh usually you know and you always rely on your staff and they were always I mean, like I said, I've had numerous players either when they left or when they joined us saying, this is a pretty cool spring training. So I, uh, I guess we did things right as far as that goes as well. Did you do anything with that horn to scare anybody? I don't know if you, you used to come up right behind oh, players with yeah, that horn yeah. and I when they're eating breakfast. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, just as an advisor, I was at the beginning of spring training, but I had the horn and people, the veterans knew when I'd be around, they'd go, uh-oh, he's going to get somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that can startle you, that horn, blow, that blow horn. Uh, yeah. going off. <laughs> Surprised no one had a heart attack. That You did that to me a couple of times. <laughs> Oh. Speaking of keeping things light during spring training, uh, when was the last checkup you had or last time you saw Hank, uh, our ballpark pup, walking around uh, in the ballpark? I saw a photo of everyone bringing a reunion in 2019. And can you retell the story for folks who don't know? Uh, the Hank story goes, so I was getting to the park probably one of the earliest because I was the field coordinator at that time. And I looked out the window and I saw our Butch, our main security guy, and he had a dog with them so i went out there i go hey butch if it was bring your dog i would have brought everyone knows my dog squirt too but <laughs> i would have brought squirt with me he goes no this dog's a stray and he's just sitting here and i'm just going oh okay so of course me being me i went into the um, kitchen and had the chef cook me up some eggs and some ham brought them out to hank he ate 
everything like that. And then from that day on, on the days I didn't take him home with me, that day on, it was almost like he knew I was in my little office through the windows and would start barking, waiting for his breakfast. (laughs) Hank was right off the bat, went from homeless to getting big league spreads every day. (laughs) Jeez. Straight to the show. (laughs) <laughs> pretty impressive but that story's pretty impressive and then how everyone pitched in took over and then Mar- marty ended up adopting him so he's had a pretty good story that was probably one of the main stories i remember being i think it was here in florida watching a show and he was the top story on the some animal thing and i was going wow hank oh that's cool one more quick break to tell you about Built Bar. This time of year, of course, here we are in early March. If your New Year's resolution staying strong, keep with it. We're proud of you. And if, new, if eating healthy is part of it, you got to have Built Bar in your repertoire and in your pantry. You can try their amazing puffs, too. It's like a sweet marshmallow treat, but still has all the nutritional benefits like a Built Bar. They've got fluffy and marshmallowy flavors, cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. These could be your new favorite. And if the puffs aren't your style... You got all of these these built bars to choose from. Low calories, high protein. You can replace candy bars with these. It's a sweet treat that's actually good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, all while it's covered in 100% real chocolate. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and they've got new flavors every month. You can see their entire lineup at built.com. And you can use our promo code, by the way, Locked 15, that's locked 15 to get 15% off at built, B U I L T dot com, promo code locked 15. We're also, of course, brought to you by Rock Auto. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto since it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will ever need since there are so many makes and models coming out these days. You can endure pointless or intimidating questioning behind the counter, and or you can just order them yourself online. A family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And they have everything you could ever need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet as well. You can explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto part needs. So go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box, make sure you let them know that Vinny and Dom sent you, okay? We would really appreciate it. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. That's great. Um, so I do want to ask, so let's transition a little bit into the baseball part. What? So, I mean, 14 years in the big leagues with the Brewers, what was your most memorable, uh, you know, obviously you guys won multiple uh, divisions or, you know, playoff appearances and stuff like that. What was the, the most memorable part of your coaching career with the Brewers? Most memorable one or probably got the most excitement, even though, like you said, we've been winning and winning. So many excitable moments, but when Niger got the hit in 2011 against the Diamondbacks to score Gomez, that was, uh, that was pretty thrilling. And they say Dale Swaim always gets on me. He says, he goes, what are you doing? Because I'm just jumping up and down, going into the outfield before I finally realized to go join everything else. It was such a <laughs> surreal moment. And uh, But that would have to be, that was a pretty climatic moment. Great team and just an awesome victory. And then I always look at uh, game 163 in Chicago. 
that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of cool ones, but those ones stick in my head. There was that was a pretty easy send of go go, wasn't it? In 2011, that was pretty oh, easy. Yeah, go-go. having one of the fastest guys in baseball with the ground ball that barely makes it up the middle. But as I'm cheering and everything, you watch the replay. The throw is a pretty good replay. Granted, it wasn't even close, but the throw, I'm going, damn, that's a little bit lower. <laughs> Might have been even a play on Gomi. <laughs> pretty great. Is there any is there any sends that keep you up at night these days? Are there any lashings that came out from sends or no sends even for that matter that you remember that maybe you can have a funny story or two out of it? No, I, I just remembered when when I first moved over to third base, I remember Dale Swain going, hey, no matter what, if you get someone thrown out, people are going to say you shouldn't have sent them. And if you have great sends where no one in their right mind would have sent them and he scored, people would have said, ah, of course you're going to send them there. Yeah, yeah. So not, not very many of them stand out, but yeah, there are some where I'm screaming, screaming, or I'm going bad throw. His skip by the catcher, bobble it, clank it. I'm screaming already knowing, you know, with two outs, seeing who's on deck. Sometimes you're just going, I got to send it, even though I know he's going to be gone unless of like i said bad hop clank it catcher or cut it make a mistake and cut it so there's times where i'm screaming oh cut it cut it or bad hop bad hop and granted a lot of times it didn't happen and and to follow up quickly on third base coaching uh obviously everyone's got their little thing as they come and shake the third baseman's hand Take us into the clubhouse. Who approaches who about the handshakes? Who decides what to do? Do you ever get to have any creative freedom with any of this stuff? How does how does that stuff happen? No, that kind of um, goes around by the players. Well, they'll come up and ask, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? We have the Keston Hera where we go to shake hands and then we go, nope, save it. Uh, LeBron, <laughs> if he's not feeling good, you know, because he couldn't, you know, for back reasons, he'd go, hey, let's jump up and high five. I go, you know, I'm like, you know, 55, right? And I got a <laughs> knee replacement, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I One of my favorites, Orlando. With, uh, the dab, the, yes. The dab, yeah, that, those are, there's there's a bunch of good ones. Um, uh, here's one of them. Jace Peterson hits a home run. And before, probably two days earlier, he went into the, where the, the basketball one where you do the layup. So he hits the homer to take the lead or something. Meanwhile, I'm doing this, doing the layup thing, and he just runs by me. <laughs> so in the, so dugout, in the dugout, I'm going, Jace, what happened to the layup thing and he's gone i completely forgot i was so excited i'm gone no, what year okay. is this i'm sure i can find video of this <laughs> that would have been well it was jace so within the last last two years two or, yeah yeah, yeah it's it. a home run important home run and we had just gone over what we were going to do maybe two days earlier and then i do it and do the, and he does it that's so classic eddie um and then how much do analytics have have to play a role into sending guys? Did it change much, you know, sending them or keeping them? Did it did that play into any of the decision making process for sending guys from third, you know, from, to score? Uh, at times, but then it always, you know, it had a lot to do with that. And it had to like who's coming up on deck or, okay. or like even two times down. OK, because they'll walk yeah. this guy, you know, in our league, it even makes it a little 
harder in the National League because you got the pitchers hitting. Granted, our pitchers do rake, but you yeah. have a pitcher coming up. And then sometimes you're going, you see a pitch hitter there, but you're going, okay, but what he only has, is he going to pitch hit? So there's a lot of things going on through your head at the time before the play actually happens. And then sometimes when it happens, it's just a reaction type thing. But yeah, analytical, every, everything, everyone kind of gets involved in that. Correct. Well, what people don't realize is how hard that job is. And it's, absolutely, it, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever want that job. Third base coach. You so, would be good. Denny. Come on. I made you play shortstop in a playoff game. <laughs> and you hadn't played short the entire year. <laughs> yeah. And I played catch with a tarp, you know, so. <laughs> but, that's anyway. great. Uh, and then on, on top of the third base coaching, but the, the details that you have to keep track of and the things that you're looking at that maybe fans aren't quite looking at. They're looking, a lot of fans are looking at pitch, see ball, hit ball, and then everyone runs. What can you take us into the pre-pitch motion of what you're looking at? What are the things that you know of to pay attention to? And what you would encourage fans that maybe young fans, 14, 15 years old, trying to go and play the next level of what you're noticing, what they can learn from the game. Yeah, first, uh, positioning of the outfielders as well as the infielders nowadays, because there's balls that, you know, will get through where it's going to be through. And then all of a sudden you got a diving play by a guy that should have never been there. Uh, outfielders arm strength. Um, and we're watching videos and all that. Do they throw well going to their right, to their left, uh, straight in? Is it going to be a backhand? Uh, how deep they are? Um importance of the run and once again going back to the who's coming up after the guy that's batting and uh yeah a lot of things go into play before the play actually happens um probably like i used to tell the base runners either when i was especially when i was at first I always tell them hey the importance of your run you know know the importance of your run here on what's going on so i have a question because uh about a tactic I think that you implemented, but maybe I'm just overthinking it. I played left field for one game against the Brewers. I was with the Marlins. This was 2011. It's called up in September. And Eddie, I swear that you invented this or thought of this because this is a kind of baseball guy that you are always trying to think of a little bit of an advantage to get. But I swear a, a ground ball was hit to me into the outfield. Guy was on second and you were just nonchalantly waving him in. As opposed to you see third base uh -huh. coach, let's go, let's go. And I swear you did that to kind of deke me, the left fielder, from not like, okay, really charge and really – am I am I overthinking that? No, you're did not. You, in fact, I would go – I might have just been not even waving them, maybe just pointing because they can – well, obviously you can hear yeah. my voice from everywhere. Maybe <laughs> just pointing, just pointing, go, 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 you know, doing that. So Because like yeah. you said, the outfielders kind of come in to – they can sense you. They can see score, score, and they know they got to oh, come yeah. up and guns. Because a lot of times I would just be, go, go, go. Well, the importance of it, an important, real important run. Of course, I'm doing all that because I want sure. the cameras on me, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> you always know where the cameras are, Eddie. <laughs> That's great. And then on, on on a different note, as we get ready to wrap things up here. Uh, I, I just want to ask, as you've walked away from the game, obviously things are really messy right now, lockout aside. But when you walked away from the game in October and it was announced that you were retiring, what led to that decision? How are you and Marsha doing? And how is how has this career in baseball been for you that you're able to look back and reflect on things? Uh, looking back on it, like um, 
very, very lucky person to do what I have done and all that. Uh, as far as time to get in time, I was kind of getting beat up, you know, trying to do stuff every day that I did. Cause I, Vinny, I would still throw group one all the time. Never missed a day. Amazing BP. Allie, you would throw it to Allie's. I remember that. But um, no, just uh, Marsha and I are enjoying it, of course, with Squirt. We're down here. We plan on when we get back to Milwaukee, hopefully the season will we'll start the season. And then when we get back, you'll see me out at the bar, ballpark and I'll stop by and see you, Dominic. And I try to scream down at Vinny when he's doing his little show, but he think he must think I'm a Thanks, fan Eddie. and he never looks up. But no, I uh, cherish everything that the Brewers allowed me to do. And um, Thanks, Eddie. A lot of, lot of great memories. Well, the moment you do come back to American Family Field, I'll make sure that there's a microphone waiting with Vinny on the pre- and post-game show and there's a headset waiting in the booth because we know you've got stories for day and you can help us kill an inning, okay? Nope, that, that sounds like a great plan. Would would enjoy doing that. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Eddie. We wish you all the best down in Florida for you and Marsha and for Squirt, of course. And uh, hopefully we got baseball here coming soon. And thanks again for spending some time with us. Nope, thank you guys. You guys stay safe and stay great. Thanks again for having me. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.